I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Bienvenue sur le podcast. Je suis ton hôte, Matt Dixon. So why am I parlez-vous français, as you might say to it? Well, coming up September the 7th and 8th, 2019, the Ironman 70.3 World Championships, and we are heading to Nice, France, on the Côte d'Azur for a wonderful, or what is at least shaping up to be a wonderful event. And with that in mind, we thought we'd put together a little bonus show. So, This is for you if you're heading to Nice, if you're interested in qualifying for the 70.3 World Championships, you might get some little gleans and nuggets within here. And in fact, if you're interested in participating in triathlon or an Ironman 70.3 whatsoever, commonly known as a half Ironman distance, you might get something out of this. But if you have absolutely no interest in triathlon at all and you're just listening to the podcast and the show for performance reasons, that's great. You know what you can do? You can stop listening right now because we've got another great show coming this week. We're just treating this as a little bonus. And what we thought we would do is go through my little course preview, a few tips and thoughts as you lead into this race specifically, because as it is a world championships, it's going to have a few quirks and personalities of which we should talk through, try and give you guys some guidance and help. And so we hope that you find the information helpful as you go through. We do have a few things to talk about in the weeks leading up to this event in which you might be interested. Let's first talk about plane reading. If you're flying to Nice, you need to have something to sink the chops into. So we've actually put together a course preview and you can come to the Purple Patch website, head to the podcast page and we'll put together on the end of these show notes a little downloadable link. And it's a comprehensive guide in everything that you can know about this course. If you get boots on ground, you can join us for a couple of occasions. The first is we are going to have a little pre-race run, social run, but it's not with being with me because if you ran with me, you'd be highly unimpressed as I run like a donkey dipped in cement. And so we're going to put in someone that can run, Chelsea Sodaro, Purple Patch Pro. She's offered up Wednesday afternoon to do a very easy and social run. We're going to post details of that in the show notes, but Come all ye faithful. If you'd like to join Chelsea, come together a little 30 or 40 minute promenade run, very socially paced, very smooth, nice get together. You can ask Chelsea any tips of the race and the course. She will be there for a good week in advance. So she's going to know the course inside and out by the time you guys get together. And then if you want to listen to little old me, Friday, September the 6th, 1pm local time. Join us. La Meridian Hotel is actually in the Biot, B-I-O-T, Biot Conference Room for a very special live pre-race meetup and course overview with, well, me. But this event is being co-hosted with a couple of fantastic people. The first, Andy Blow, the founder of Precision Hydration and a wonderful resource around sweat testing, cramps, hydration and anything that you want to know about that side of the sport. He's also a fantastically accomplished athlete himself. Perhaps the most special guest joining us, the one, the only, Mark Allen legend of the sport. Mark will be joining us live. He'll be answering questions from you guys that are live in the audience 
And I think collectively, we should be able to have, I would say, quite a bit of fun. Now, here's the rub. It's not open to everyone. This is first come, first served. On the website, we have a link to an invitation. It is free. Anyone can join. You don't have to be a Purple Patch athlete, although many of our athletes will be there. We have 63 athletes, and so a good chunk of them will be there. But we only have so much capacity. And so we want to invite everyone. Everyone can join, but you must RSVP in advance. And we will have a checklist on the door in all likelihood. We can only do that to make it fair. So if you are interested in joining, please RSVP on the website. Share with your friends. Feel free to do all that good stuff. But come and join myself, Andy Blow from Precision Hydration and the legendary Mark Allen. If you know anything about Mark outside of winning his six Hawaii Ironmans, you know that his home race to his heart is Nice. And he's going to know everything about this course. And he has a lot of funny stories to tell as well. So don't miss it. The course preview and, of course, the in-person meeting. Now, we also have something for you guys that are at home that are not coming to Nice. We're putting together a live stream event on Facebook and Instagram immediately following the in-person event. So it's going to take place at around 2.30 p.m. local Central European time. And it's also going to include Mark Allen, myself and Andy Blow. And we're going to be talking all about this race, the Ironman 70.3 World Championships, maybe even sneak some of our projections or predictions on how the race might go down and hopefully give you guys a little bit of useful information, not just about Nice, but anything around the subject of performance. So Friday, September the 6th, 1 till 2 p.m. live in-person event, and then following about 2.30, our global live stream event on Facebook and Instagram Live. Visit the show notes for more detail on this, and also make sure that you click through to the link to RSVP for the in-person event. Of course, we want to make sure that you, fellow Purple Patch, and all on our social channels get up to the minute events and happenings while we're there next week. But make sure if you want to join us live, you must RSVP. And so that's the details. But now what we want to do is get into Nice. Before we do that, I want to give you a really, really special word of the week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, word of the week this week. And this is the one time I can't tell you the word until... Just before I say, let's get on with the meat and potatoes, because this is a short phrase and it's a phrase that I never thought would make it as word of the week. I never thought I'd share it, but because this is a world championships and a lot of people have lofty aspirations and goals and reasons to celebrate and they want to go there and do their best. I know you do. I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit. I'm going to let you into the world of the Purple Patch Professionals and how I coach them, how I lead them and inspire them, how I drive them on, not just with their training, but toe the line ready and confident. And so today, for Word of the Week, I'm going to let you know the last words, the very last words that I say for the Purple Patch Pros right before they walk down to the start line on the swim course. What can I possibly say as a coach? 
that will lead them and inspire them and drive them towards their performance. You know that some athletes are confident, some athletes have a little bit of fear, some people have questions, but these are words that can lift off and help drive performance. And that's why we're going to make these words the word of the week. And I'm going to share them with you. And you can keep them close to your heart. You can think about them. And just in that last 30 seconds, when the wave or the start of the race is getting ready to go and it gets quiet, you can think of these words and you can carry with them all the way through the race. The last words that I, Matt Dixon, say to the Purple Patch Pros, that is the word of the week. And those words are, don't fuck it up. All right, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. As The Clash said, this is a public service announcement. Hey guys, so we're going to get into the show in just one second, but I just want to inject a little bit of course correction for me. You see, in the show you're going to hear me talk about the swim, and one of the things I say is it's guaranteed to be a wetsuit swim for age groupers. Well, a little birdie just told us that that might not actually be true. In fact... With the dry, hot summer that Europe experienced this year, it seems like the Mediterranean's got a little bit more personality as it comes to temperature. The last we hear, 79 degrees. And so, pro athletes, almost guaranteed to be non-wetsuit, but also amateur athletes, probably the same. And so what should you do? Well, ignore the advice in the actual podcast itself when I talk about the swim. What I would do is be prepared for both. Bring the wetsuit be set up, but also ensure that you're set up for the probably more likely now non-wetsuit swim. We'll see what happens as we go into race day, but I wanted to give you that tip. The rest of the show, I promise, we're all spot on. Enjoy. And just before we get onto the meaner potatoes, as we launch into this, remember... A little crazy competition, the one that is already getting me to pull my hair out as we think about the chance for you guys to get me to do pretty much anything, anything within reason, as long as it's quick, public, not offensive, decent and funny. So what's the competition? What's the drive? What? We're looking to increase our listenership. We're looking to maintain our content that's free. We want to ensure that this show can carry on without being inundated with ads and sponsorship. So to do that, we want to share more. And one of the good drivers to do that is very positive Apple reviews. Yes, Apple podcast reviews. And so here's our quest. It's quite random. It is pulled out of our backside. But this is what we want to have. By the end of 2019... We want to have 1,000 positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. 1,000. That's the goal. So we know we have a very good listenership, very good loyalty, and it's a small action. So here's the thing. There's a form on the website, purplepatchfitness.com forward slash podcast. You can head to the website, purplepatchfitness.com, go up to education, dive into the website. There's into the podcast page. There is a nice form there. 
So once you have left your review, and if you're not sure how to leave a review, we'll leave it in the show notes. There's a nice little video on there of how to do it. But once you have left your review, you can then head to the website and you can put in your request. And the request is quite literally this. What would you like to see me do? Now, I'm assuming that most of you guys would like to see me embarrassed, like something that's funny, whatever it might be. But we're going to filter out as a team. I'm not going to have a call on this. This is just going to be the purple patch team without myself. And we're going to pick the top three, the top three things. And of those three things, you guys, the listeners are going to vote and I won't have a choice. Whichever one is the winner, I will be doing So whether you want me to run across London Bridge, dressed up like a monkey, whatever it might be, it is your prerogative. Just let me know and I will be sure to do it. But enough of that nonsense. Let's get on with what you're here to listen to. The 70.3 World Championships. What we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to talk about before the event, the event itself talk about some of the tips of training leading in, some of the quirks of this course and answer some of the questions that many people have asked me as they lead into this race, including, yes, TT bike or road bike. I will get to that. And then we'll go through swim, bike and run. Swim, bike and run. Now, before we do, let's tail off with a couple of logistics. So the race itself is, yes, it's in Nice and it is right on the promenade there. Very famous promenade with the Mediterranean straight to the south. Let's talk about time cutoffs as we go through. So the interesting thing about this course and the actual event itself is this is the only 70.3 in which the women's race is split from the men's race. And that makes for fantastic racing. It's a spectacle. Both events are going to get massive coverage, massive support. It is going to be an occasion. So the women's race, Saturday, September the 7th. How fast do you have to do this? So 1.2 miles or 1.9 kilometer swim, you have one hour to do that swim. So any athlete that takes longer than an hour, DNF, did not finish. So basically disqualified is what we can call that. And then transition one, so from the time that you get out of the swim to on your bike, will close 10 minutes after the last official swim finisher. So go through 10 minutes, boom, following through. They then have, the athletes have five hours and 20 minutes to act from when the last athlete enters the water, five hours and 20 minutes to finish the very hilly, very challenging 56 mile or 90 kilometers for your European bike course. If you don't get in with that time, DNF did not finish. And finally, you have 10 minutes to get out of transition before the run course closing at eight hours and 10 minutes after the last athlete enters the water. So any athlete that takes longer than eight hours and 10 minutes to complete the swim, the bike, and then of course the 13.1 or 21 kilometer run will receive a DNF. So those are the logistics. Those are the challenges. The men's race, the same applies. Sunday, September 8th, everything is the same on timing, of course. And when it gets cracking, 7 a.m. in the morning local time. That's the pros. The age group is following shortly afterwards. So what's the race like itself? Well, to give you a little bit of a headline news, the first is the swim course and the swim course is very nice, very appropriate in the Mediterranean. And so it is a 
It is the one thing that I can promise. And this is the only thing I can promise about the swim. It is going to be salty because it's seawater. For age groupers, it's certainly going to be a wetsuit swim. And it's actually a very well-designed course because you're swimming south. You won't be swimming into the sun for the, the first part of the swim. And you're swimming straight out about a half a mile out to sea, come across for a couple of hundred meters and then come back in, back to the beach for the exit. The bike ride, well, what we might say about this bike ride, personality. It certainly has personality. You start with a little flat section going through town for 10 or so kilometers and then the climb start. You have a little bit of a bump up with some very, very steep little pitches to get over. And then the main features of this bike ride that we'll go into a little bit later is a very long and consistent six mile or 11 kilometer or so climb that varies in grade. And that's a good thing that it varies in grade with a little double peak at the top that's going to bring you way inland and very uppish in personality. From there, you've got a pretty steep and very fast, somewhat technical descent that layers out to a very fast descent to finish, a little bit more sweeping finishes, and then you come back in on that flat road. You're finishing to a promenade run. And if it's a promenade run, you only know one thing. It's pretty much dead flat. A two-loop run course, you drop down off of the uh, second transition and you drop through a little tunnel. That is basically the only little climb. And then the mildest of variants as you're going along the coast, but pretty much we can call this a flat, but the good thing, spectator-lined course as you go through. Now, we'll be going into the swim, the bike and the run in a little more detail and I'll give you some advice on each. But first, let's talk about preparation and going there. When you're listening to this, you're probably about 10 days to two weeks away from the course or from the race. So I think the first thing to do is to talk about what you should do between now and the race. What you should be doing with diet, training, travel, components like that. So the first thing is familiarity as much as you possibly can over the coming week or 10 days, you want to retain the rhythm of what you're used to. The body doesn't like change. The mind doesn't like change. So as much as we can, we want to try and create a framework of familiarity. And because this is the world championships, changes nothing. It changes absolutely nothing. And so what do you do that was so successful that enabled you to qualify for this event? What have you done in previous races when you have had your best performances? Draw on that and don't get drawn out of the things that work for you to enable you to have your best performances just because this event has a title. Familiarity, familiarity, familiarity. So it starts with training. When we think about training, I would retain the same rhythm. Obviously, you're not training as hard in the last two weeks, but as much as possible, if Tuesdays are your harder day, keep them the slightly harder day. If Mondays are your lighter day, make sure that that's your recovery day. As you lead into what is typically a Saturday or Sunday, when most people that are training have their harder days on those days, well, luckily, that's when race days are. And so you retain familiarity and you retain the preparation that works for you. 
If we want to get a little more nuanced with it, I would think about the sessions that are typically the tougher sessions, the ones that drive the performance needle. Those are the ones to anchor your mindset around. Those are the ones that you still want to take a little more seriously because we want to retain fitness. We want to retain sharpness. And so while the actual sessions themselves won't take you into deep fatigue, hopefully, you still want to retain a little bit of work. And so those are the sessions that you retain your focus around just as you would on any regular week. The other sessions, the sessions that we call the supportive sessions, those are the ones that are your management tool. And so if you feel like you're carrying a little bit of extra fatigue, your legs are feeling heavy, which is perfectly normal as you're leading into a race, those are the ones that are really good to scale down intensity, to drop off, to scale the duration, or even, yes, am I crazy? Even eliminate, guilt-free. And so that way you retain the rhythm, you retain the fitness and sharpness, but if you need to back off a little bit, It's a good time to back off now. Now, if you do get fresh, if you do back off and then you arrive in Nice and you feel like a coiled spring that's explosive or you need to go and find that familiar rhythm, there's nothing wrong with doing a little bit more in the last two to three days going into the race if you feel like you're over rested. But overall, that's your moderation tool. So with that training in the books as you lead in, you then have two other variables, sleep and nutrition. So what do you do with sleep? Get plenty of it. You don't become a sloth. You retain your regular life rhythm. But we just want to make sure as much as we possibly can within the context of life that you're not wholly compromised if possible. There are many, many athletes all over the world that will be having to cross time zones to get to Nice to go and race. And so the more rested you can go into that travel, the better you're going to feel on the backside. And we'll talk about time zones in a second. So sleep, it becomes a priority. Retaining training rhythm, that's our second priority that we talked about. Now we have nutrition. For me, nutrition, keep the eating habits. Keep it simple. Nail the basics. Eat plenty. Don't compromise. You don't have to turn yourself into a foie gras goose. And you certainly shouldn't be trying to drop down to the mythical race weight. Just eat your regular diet, maintaining the basics, good breakfast every morning, lots of fat, protein, vegetables, starchy carbohydrates, and the number one habit, the number one habit, ensuring that no matter how easy the training sessions are, you still adhere to post-workout fueling. That's incredibly helpful component. And so, boom, now we have You're eating, you have your sleeping, you have your training. Oh, and one more thing, your hydration, of course. Now, you're not a camel. You can't hyperhydrate and suddenly think that you're going to retain all of these extra fluids that are going to avoid all of the perils of dehydration. Maintain hydration status, but just avoid getting dehydrated. So, glass of water with every meal, making sure you're doing that, ensuring that you're refueling between or rehydrating between sessions and you are good to go. So what about time zone travel? We talked about time zone travel. 
And a lot of athletes have questions around traveling across time zones. So there are a few things that I think are really important for sleep to ensure that when you get to the other side, you actually are able and equipped to perform. And one of the key questions for you is, are you or is it best to try and shift to the Nice time zone? So are you trying to try and jump across and get to the Nice time zone on arrival? Well, if you happen to be arriving at the race less than three days before, I wouldn't worry about it. I would get there as fresh as possible, sleep well, and wake up and you're probably going to have a terrible night's sleep the night before the race because it's a very common element of your body priming for performance that sleep is disrupted. And so make use of allowing the body to restore when it wants to restore. If you're four or more days ahead of the race, and then you probably want to shift to time zone. But how can you do damage limitation either way? Are there any of the elements that you can do to try and mitigate the effects of travel and time zone shift? Well, there absolutely are. So if you want to get really technical and you want to be supple about this or subtle, I should say, and you also want to think about it within context of your life and family. After all, this is a hobby. It's not an obsession. But if life allows and it's practical and you can continue on with the regular rhythm of life, it is okay to start to move one hour, two hours, no more than three hours shifting time zones before you get on the plane. So for me, if I tend to go to bed at 9.30 p.m. and I get up at 6 a.m., what I might do is start to go to bed a little bit earlier and get up an hour earlier. And then once I stabilize there for a couple of days, I shift it again. You can see how very, very quickly this can become a problem with things like family and work. But if you're able to do it, nothing wrong with doing that. Generally, what you don't want to do is go into travel overstressed. And so the first core components that we talked about when we talk about sleep, hydration, nutrition, those are the building blocks. You then, to help with the actual travel itself, there's a couple of words that are important. No beers, good hydration. No beers, good hydration. In other words, and I'm sure not too many athletes would be doing overconsumption, but I would heavily, heavily recommend that you avoid alcohol on the flight and instead really do a great job of hydration. Now, if you don't like to get up and walk around in the middle of a red eye or something like that, guess what? It's opening up the hips, giving you a little bit of mobility. It's a good thing to do, then get back and go to sleep. Personally, I bring my own pillow on the plane. I need to try and sleep. I bring my pillow. Yes, I look strange, but guess what? The actual scent of the pillow is scientifically proven. I sound like quackery there, but scientifically proven to actually facilitate better sleep. So it's a good thing. Bring your own pillow if you can. And then on arrival, there are two things you want to do. Two things. Number one, exercise, get training, move. And you want to move the blood circulating around the body. So very easy exercise and also spark up the dialogue between brain and muscle. So typically a very easy run or an easy spin with some very, very short high intensity, a really positive thing to do. That's number one. Number two, eat. Eat a meal and eat it as soon as you can 
sometimes potentially after exercise, but as soon as you can and eat the meal that is appropriate to the time of day which it is in Nice, assuming that you want to cross over to that time zone. But get some calories in there, lots of carbohydrate, lots of protein, healthy foods, retain the hydration and you are good to go. You are good to go. So what else can I tell you about getting ready for this race? Well, one other thing, and this goes for your training from now till travel, but also, also on arrival. No validation needed. No validation. You don't need to chase an answer to a question that cannot be answered. And so don't chase the answer of, am I ready? How do I feel? The things that are irrelevant in this world championship is how your body feels, how the muscles feel. Wait, do you feel sparky and fine? Are you on fire? What wattage are you producing? Yada, yada, yada. It does not matter. And so don't seek validation. If you feel great, follow the execution of your training program. If you feel fatigued, don't worry about it too much. Follow the program, maybe back off a little bit. But if you feel great, don't charge. You are not looking to judge yourself and you don't need to find validation. To put the nail in the coffin, if you feel wonderful leading into the last three days, it has no relevance to your performance in the race. And if you feel heavy-legged and lethargic, it has no relevance to your performance of the race. And so to shift your mindset and to set it to enable the performance, you just have to say, I don't know. And I'm okay with that. But what I do know is I'm prepared and I've worked hard and I've done everything that I can to control for this performance. And so I'm going to ask my body a simple question. What you got for me, laddie? What have you got for me? And you're going to go about and give it your very best effort doing the things that you can control in swim, transition, bike, transition and run. Not judging all day and come out the backside and give your body the opportunity to then provide you with the answer. And it is only then that you will say, this is how I was. And the performance and the outcome will be what it will be. And if you win the race, bravo. Bravo and celebrate and then get on with the next thing. And if you don't have the day that you hope, I'm very sorry. But learn, move on and do better at the next one because that is the fabric and the journey of the sport. So Nice itself, the course itself, swim, bike and run. Let's talk about it. The swim. The swim, as mentioned, Mediterranean. The promise is salty. So is it going to be a flat swim or is it going to be a choppy swim? I don't know. Is it going to be blaring and glaring sunlight or is it going to be overcast and even raining? I don't know. I don't know. Because it's the Mediterranean. You can have choppy seas. You can have mill ponds. So be prepared for anything and that's okay. But the one thing that I do know is that this swim is set up for a calmer experience for the athletes. It doesn't have a 100-meter dash and a right turn that leads to congestion. You have 800 meters of swimming, pretty much straight out, 
wonderful buoy lines, buoys every 100 metres. It's going to be pretty easy to see where you're going. And there's going to be a lot of people going in the right direction. And so the two things about this swim, and I'm just going to give you a couple of things per discipline. Number one, make sure that you get into good rhythm and connection. Many people try too hard in the first 100 to 200 strokes of the swim. Be calm, be smooth, get into your rhythm and connection, and then build into the swim. If you're an age group athlete, it's a much smarter, pragmatic, and ultimately more successful and faster way to go in than swimming at your maximal effort, not going much faster at all, and then blowing up. And so connection and rhythm, that's number one. Number two, swim in a straight line. How do you swim in a straight line? Sight, frequently, with accountability and ownership of yourself. So don't follow Jimmy across from you that you've never met before because the chances of Jimmy being a wonderful cider are pretty minimal because here's the dirty secret of the day. Not many triathletes are very good at swimming in a straight line. So sight consistently. If you do get into a group, wonderful, but retain ownership over your own destiny and make sure that you're in rhythm. Sighting, awareness, connection and rhythm. It's a wetsuit swim all the way through. Transition is relatively long and so stay all the way through. As you're swimming across at the top end, you might get a little blinding into the sun. That's okay if the sun's directly east. You're swimming into the sun and you should be on course still. And then you've got a right turn and you've got the whole promenade to view. So what should you do the day before the race? If you know that you're going to swim half a mile out to sea, come across and swim pretty much half a mile back, what should you do to help your sighting? Well, what I would do is swim to the buoy line on the way back in and look for a large hotel that can be your major buoy. And that is in line with the finish chute. And you look at that hotel and now you have the best buoy in the world. And that is what you dial around. So that's the swim, nice and calm, nice and smooth as you come out of the swim. The transition will be busy. It's very important that you ensure that you understand where your transition flow is. Where do you come out of the swim? Where is your bike going to be racked? Where is the bike exit? And then you head out onto the bike ride. So let's talk about this bike ride as, well, one might say it's got a little bit of personality as you go through. 56 miles, 91, in fact, it's a little long, 91.3 kilometers. So it's 56.7 miles or 91.3 kilometers, but it is a great world championship course. The first part of this, you got about, eh, about seven or eight kilometers where you are riding dead flat. It is gonna be very fast and you can use those kilometers to find your rhythm, settle, get control of your build riding and then build your way in. You're then going to turn inland and it's going to get a little lumpish. About nine or 10 kilometers, it starts to go up a little bit and you're going to have a couple of little climbs that you would say are, yeah, a little bit niggly. You're going to climb up grades that are edging up towards 15 or 16%, but the good news is that they're short. You get over the initial climb and the chances of most athletes feeling good on those first climbs is minimal. And so don't judge your day 
and don't judge your performance based on how you feel when the grade starts to go up because you've only had a few kilometers to get settled and then boom, it goes up. And those initial grades, well, here's the way that these climbs go. There is no easy way to get up. And so you can't try and save the legs and go easy because there is no easy way to go up. So instead, get up with the best tools that you have as well as you can, not judging how you feel. And once you get over that, it's only a few kilometers of lumping, rolling climbs with a couple little steep pitches. You then get to settle again onto a nice false flat. And that's the place that you want to start to find rhythm. You then get through to about 12 or 13 miles and then the grade starts to move up again. And at about 14 miles, we begin the climb, the col de vence. The col de vence is several miles in duration and it is the epitome of a wonderful Mediterranean climb coming off the ocean. Has plenty of personality, lots of variance and a wonderful chance. You've had so far... A little bit of flat riding, some very steep riding, and then we talk about six or seven miles of climbing. So the question, of course, and it's a rightful question, is what bike should I ride? Well, here's my thought on this. I think that with the grade not being massively steep going up the main climb, and a lot of the climb after the initial uh, descent, after the initial first few miles of the descent which is a little steeper and is a little more technical there's plenty of very good riding to be done in your time trial position and so for the middle to advanced athletes 100% I think it's a time trial bike I think only athletes that are very hesitant weaker riders that don't have great bike interactions those are the athletes that might go towards a road bike or a road bike with clip-ons But I would say of the purple patch athletes there, we've got 63. I would imagine that about 57 of them are on time trial bikes to give you a lens. So most athletes are going to be riding time trial bikes here. Of course, if you've got one that is highly uncomfortable to climb on and you're more intuitive, I wouldn't second guess yourself because I don't think it's going to be a massive life changing performance decision for you. You're not going to pass or fail on this race, whether you choose to ride your road bike that you're more comfortable or your time trial bike. The one caveat I would say is if Nice is a celebration, if you've qualified and you want to go and have a wonderful time and enjoy riding your bike and have fun, guilt free, get on your road bike, go and enjoy it. If you love your road bike, it's great. But for the pros, 100% of them, will be in my in my estimation a hundred of the percent of them will be on the time trial bike so i hope that clears that up on that side of stuff so there's two more components of the bike course that we need to talk about navigating the climb we want to talk about fueling a little bit i would ensure that you start to take in your first real calories just before the climb starts at about 10 kilometers or so you want to make sure that you're getting fuel and then of course you're not forgetting to fuel as you're going up the climb something that's very very common but as you get towards the top the critical component is ensuring that you have plenty of calories in the tank and brain calories i would call them lots of sugar in the bin so that you have lots of focus for a very, very long descent. 
And of course, when you're descending with lots of your friends around you going pretty fast, it's going to be much more difficult to consume calories. So don't finish the climb without tipping the calories in. And then on the descent, there's three things that are really important. The first, safety. You want to get down this safely and you want all of your fellow competitors to also get down safely. And so ride well within your means. Be very calm and controlled. Realize that this is just sport. And as you descend down, number one, be safe. It's critical. The second component, respect. Please be respectful. And that's two components. The first is if you happen to be a more pedestrian descender, stay to the right of the road, keep out of the road, make sure that you're really aware of people coming behind you that are maybe more competitive or very fast and technically savvy. And so don't ride in the middle of the road. Get off to the right, make sure that you stay out of the way, and most importantly, stay focused and aware. But equally, if you're a faster rider, this ain't your rodeo. This ain't your rodeo. This is everyone's race. It's everyone's event. And so even if you are faster, you're going to have to, because it is an amateur race with lots of athletes, still be respectful. So don't pull out the American, on your left, on your left, with the abusive language. It doesn't help. Stay calm, stay patient, be sensible and be respectful. And then the third component with those two in mind, number one, safety, number two, respect, then number three, absolutely maximize your speed down that descent within the context of that above. So that's my spirit of the descent. One other component, use every opportunity that you can to retain hydration and retain fueling. Because what you don't want to do is descend for half an hour or so, then hit the bottom and say, "Uh oh, I haven't had any calories. Because once the lights go out, it's going to be very, very difficult to get them back turned on in time to actually have a good end of the bike ride and certainly a wonderful run performance. So how about the run? Well, two loops, pretty much a flat course, outback, outback, 21 kilometers or so. Of course, we never know whether it's exactly accurate, but 21 kilometers or so. The first thing I do with this is break the course down into sections. You've got four sections, each one a mini project, give or take about just over five kilometers. And I would eat the dog food that's right in front of me. Focus on the elements that I can control in each section and only focus on that. The swim is gone. The bike is gone. This is what's in front of you. This is what you can control. And you can control your form, your fueling, and your pacing. Those are the three elements. And so you maximize your pacing with the best form possible and ensuring that you have awareness of the calories, the energy, and the focus. The great thing about this run is that it's going to be highly populated with supporters cheering you. And it's got just enough variance that you have to find it and make sure that you leverage it. But you have one chance when you come off the bike, one chance to stamp tall, get to good posture and get a couple of things going. Your arm speed with the arms tossing behind you, therefore translating to good leg speed. 
as much as you can, staying calm when you come out of transition, running down the grades, coming through the tunnel, then hitting the promenade. You want to stand tall, get to good posture, little lean forward, get the arms going and get the leg speed going because leg speed will be the number one predictor of your performance on race day matching your trained potential. And then break it down like a project, stay in the game, don't judge yourself and remember this on the run. No matter what dreams or aspirations you have, no matter how much you'd love to podium or win the darn thing or have a great performance overall, no matter how tired you are, no matter how fatigued you are, whether you're cramping or not, we have a very, very simple mission. And that mission started at the start of the swim. And that was to get from A to B, through the swim, through the bike, and to the end of the run, B, as fast as you possibly can. And if you're going to be doing that, it never changes. So no matter how you feel, don't get down, problem solve, navigate, stay on mission, and don't assess. You don't need to assess how you're doing or how your performance is until well after the finish line. And if that's the mission, well, you can stay focused. And you can even keep smiling because here's the last part about Nice to World Championships. But really what it is, it's just another race. It just happens to be a race that has great support, a wonderful badge, and it is a time of celebration. We're doing this sport. It's a wonderful sport. It's multidisciplinary. The world's best athletes are going to be there. It's in a wonderful setting. What more is to like? And so my last words for you as you go into this race that is a world championships is remember what I said, stay familiar, do what works for you. Don't get drawn outside of everything that has led to success up till now. But also realize that just because it's a world championship doesn't mean that it has to be a monkey on your back. Give yourself permission to enjoy it. Give yourself permission to risk-free, with no fear of outcome, go and do the simple thing that is in your control. Go and give it your best effort. And with that, my few tips for Nice. I hope that's helpful. A little bonus show for the week. And of course, for you guys that are going to be in Nice, Friday, September the 6th, 1 till 2 p.m. live in-person event and then following about 2.30 our global live stream event on Facebook and Instagram live. Visit the show notes for more detail on this and also make sure that you click through to the link to RSVP for the in-person event. Should be quite a spectacle. Until then, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, would really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!